0: Good morning. It is a real privilege to be with you to open the scriptures and to uh, invite us to listen to what the Spirit might be saying to us as a Vox community. And this morning our text invites us into a conversation about a human experience that we can probably all relate to, uh, it's one that we spend a lot of our time, <laughs> our lives trying to avoid. Uh, we're going to be exploring what it means to be rejected. Uh, it's a kind of a distressing topic. And uh, my hope is to offer us some helpful ways to think about the experience of rejection, why it hurts, um, why it may sometimes be worth it, and where in the Christ story... Might we find a source of comfort for those moments where we're invited to risk rejection for living what we believe? So as a way to begin, I wonder if we might first get clear on what the experience of rejection feels like, just so we're all more or less on the same page. Um, I know it's not pleasant to think about, but uh, if you would think of an experience, maybe it was growing up uh, on the playground or in the cafeteria. Maybe it was in a relationship. Uh, Many of you know last year I experienced rejection in the context of a relationship that I trusted, and maybe that's your experience too. Or maybe it was in a job or a group that you wanted to belong to. Uh, So when you're ready, uh, if you would, reflect on what that experience of rejection feels like, and see if you can capture it in a word or a phrase. And then I'll invite you to just turn to the person next to you or type it in the chat. What what comes to your mind? What words come to your mind? I'll give you a moment. So I'll kind of keep an eye on the folks at home, see what comes up for you. Uh, If words like panic, anger, shame, uh, grief, come up. Uh, Brain researchers tell us there's a good reason why the experience of rejection can send us uh, into one of those emotional states. Um, Those researchers like to say, sticks and stones may break our bones, and words can also hurt us. Uh, Brain scans reveal to us that social pain, like rejection, it travels through the gray matter of our brain along the same, some of the same neural networks, the same pathways as physical pain. And so in terms of the threat to our well-being as perceived by our brain, social pain and physical pain may be indistinguishable. And I want us to notice here at Vox two of our community values, participation and empathy. Both signal our deep desire that no one suffer rejection uh, within our community. We desire to be a place of deep belonging and diversity. And at the same time, in our text today, Jesus invites us to be aware that there may be times when living what we believe means risking rejection and possible suffering in order to fulfill our loving reason for being here. And so perhaps a helpful example to start us off might be this, Ruby sales and Jonathan Daniels were two young civil rights activists in the 60s, Ruby, a courageous black teenager, and Jonathan, a white Episcopal seminary student. And they were arrested in a group of protesters in a small town in Alabama, and they sat in jail for several days, and then when they were released into the hot August sun, they walked across the street to the general store to buy some sodas, and that's when a white townsperson pointed a shotgun at young Ruby to stop her from entering. And Jonathan stepped in between Ruby and the bullet, and he was killed. Ruby and Jonathan considered the risk of rejection and suffering as worth it in order to live what they believed and to fulfill the loving reason why they were here. And Ruby didn't stop there after Jonathan's death. She enrolled in the same seminary where he had been studying. And she continued her activism. And today, Ruby Sales is a powerful preacher and theological voice for all of us. So in reflecting on that example, perhaps a question for us might be where in the Christ story do we imagine that Ruby and Jonathan may have received comfort when the time came for them to risk rejection for living what they believe. Here at Vox, we've been exploring how we can move from contemplation into action, to advocate for our neighbors, and to live what we believe. And the reality is sometimes that may mean risking rejection, being rejected by those in power who are abusing their power. And so my hope today is to offer some helpful ways to think about where we might find comfort in the Christ story, if and when the invitation to risk rejection arrives for us. So we're here in Mark chapter 8. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. And so we're going to explore in a moment some of the possible reasons for this word must, like why Jesus would say this must happen. But first, let's wonder together about why Jesus may have said all of this openly to his friends before it happened. And when I think about that question, I imagine on one hand, he may have been considering his friends' feelings, like wanting to give them a heads up so they weren't blindsided by what was about to happen. And on the other hand, he may also have needed his friend's support to be able to endure what was about to happen. Because Jesus was also human, we can imagine his brain and his nervous system functioned much like ours. And when we suffer rejection, we need the support of a few trusted people around us. As I've been healing this year from the pain of rejection, some friends in this community have come around me with just remarkable courage and creativity. And our connection to those we trust is what grounds us when we suffer rejection. It helps us endure it. And researchers tell us there's a precise number of trustworthy people that we need in our lives. And that number is five. It turns out we do better when we're connected with at least five trustworthy relationships. And God can be one, and then we need more or less four others. So... If we wish to be capable of enduring rejection when the time comes, we might find it helpful to take inventory, like, who are your five? We can imagine Jesus trusted in Peter, James, John, Martha, Mary, these friends where he was able to give and receive mutual support that may have been essential in helping him endure rejection when it proved unavoidable. And I don't think we need to get hung up on the number But maybe consider, is there perhaps a trustworthy relationship where God is nudging you to invest just a little more? Someone in whom uh, you could trust and you could be a support to them in times of rejection and they could be a support for you. So Jesus tells his friends, I must suffer and be rejected and be killed and after three days rise again. And then our text picks up here saying this, Peter took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him. Never, Peter said, never will this happen to you. And then turning and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan. You're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. So this interchange is a little cringy, but let's notice that in this interchange with Peter, Jesus seems to have clearly discerned his loving reason for being here that one reason that for him makes rejection and suffering worth it. And by exploring the process Jesus went through to arrive at that clarity, I wonder if we might find helpful guidance for our own discernment. So if we flip back to the beginning of Jesus's story, we find a scene where he speaks these same four words, get behind me, Satan. He's in the wilderness for 40 days. He's praying and fasting, and the devil takes him up to this high place where he's looking out on the city, on the Roman army and on the palaces of the wealthy, and we can imagine part of Jesus saying, I, can contr- I could control all of this. Like I could use my power and privilege to protect myself and defend my people. And the gospel tells us the crowd did actually, in fact, intend to force Jesus to be their king. So it was a temptation he had to wrestle with. But in the wilderness, Jesus discerned an entirely different loving reason for being here. A reason to say no to power and privilege in that form and yes to rejection and suffering. So when the devil tempts him, Jesus says, get behind me. And we're told then the devil flees. And then Jesus relaxes. He emerges from that wilderness more clear on his reason for being here. And even though it's going to require rejection and suffering, uh, he just seems to be more at peace. And now we pick up in Mark 8, we're closer to the end of the story, and Jesus is tempted again, this time by Peter, saying, never, there's got to be another way. This will never happen to you. And I think it's important to remember that Jesus has already done his discerning at this point. Like, he's arrived at the clarity he needs, but Peter is still in the wilderness. He's several steps behind Jesus, catching up in his own discernment process. And let's also keep in mind that Peter and Jesus are close. They're good friends. They had fished together and fed crowds together. And Jesus had called Peter to step out on the water and then saved Peter when he was drowning. And Peter may be wondering if Jesus is now drowning and needs to be saved by him. And for Peter, it may have just felt intolerable to imagine this friend that he loves having to suffer and be rejected. So like, think of your friends. Say, for me, if Rachel or Waylon or Harmon or Jen came to me and said, Hey, Jenna, I've been praying, and I'm more clear now on the path that God has for me. And I would say something like, I'm so happy. You could trust me to talk to me about it. So tell me what needs to happen. How can I help you fulfill your loving reason for being here? And I would mean it. I would be sincere. And then if the answer came back, well, so I'm going to need to suffer and be rejected and killed and i would say no way in hell am i gonna let that happen to you like that's not gonna happen and at the same time when jesus hears this from his friend peter he he may have felt frustrated he needed the support of his friends in order to prepare to do this hard thing and instead he's perhaps feeling rejected by peter in this moment Relational researchers call this waging good conflict. And I'll invite us to hear this interchange between Jesus and Peter as good conflict waged between two friends who love each other and who are arguing about the big question we're exploring today. When is rejection and suffering worth the risk? Umberto Eco once said There are four questions worth wrestling with in this life. What is sacred? What is spirit? What's worth living for? and what's worth dying for. And he said, the answer to all of them is the same, only love. So Vox, what is our loving reason for being here? Perhaps we might find it meaningful to spend some time discerning what that singular loving reason is for each of us, the one reason that would make rejection worth the risk And perhaps we might begin talking openly with those we trust about our reason as we're discerning so that when that invitation to risk rejection arrives, we can be rooted in clarity and we can support one another. All right. So our text concludes with Jesus saying this, if anyone wants to become my follower, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake, for the sake of the gospel, will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? So we've arrived now at the question, where in the Christ story might we find comfort if and when that moment arrives for us to take up our cross and follow Jesus into rejection? and possible suffering. I've thought and listened and prayed about this a lot and I'll offer us this to consider. Rejection is the combination of two human experiences, abandonment, like being left alone and vulnerable, plus blame, the message, it's your fault, it's because of something you did, you deserve this. And our human systems of justice are founded on the notion that we only inflict rejection and suffering on someone when they're to blame, when it's deserved to punish and correct bad behavior. On the cross, however, Jesus revealed that our notions of justice are often misinformed. And when we take it upon ourselves to inflict rejection and suffering on someone in the name of justice, we cannot assume that God is behind that. And I believe this may be why Jesus had to be rejected by the elders, priests, and scribes, the keepers of the law, those who maintained, as we mistakenly do today, that when someone suffers rejection, they are to blame. The punishment is deserved. That's the assumption. And by taking up his cross, Jesus turned that assumption inside out. On the cross, Jesus was punished and endured rejection and suffering that was not deserved. There was no blame in him. There was no bad behavior to correct. And in opening his arms then to those who had rejected him, Jesus revealed that even when we reject others, God does not reject us. And so when we ourselves are rejected and suffer, and when we look into the Christ story, we find Jesus right here beside us, rejected and suffering with us. And if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I wonder if the invitation for us in these closing words is to follow Christ by finding the courage to Fulfill our loving reason for being here and to put into practice what we believe by Standing beside and suffering with those who are rejected Knowing that that may sometimes mean risking rejection and suffering ourselves And when the rejection and suffering find us Regardless of the reason deserved or undeserved I wonder if our invitation is to follow Christ by enduring it as he did, with trust and hope. So where in the Christ story do we find hope capable of comforting us when we suffer rejection? Let's name that hope. For me, I've found hope in Jesus' words, after three days I will rise again. Not that I know what rising in this life looks like, but I find comfort in trusting that death is not the end of the story. Abandonment is not the end. Blame is not the end. Suffering is not the end. Rejection is not the end. God is love. And love is stronger than anything, and love never rejects us. Please pray with me. May we reflect on the Christ story and be comforted by the reminder that Christ suffers with us. And if we are to risk rejection in this life, may it be to fulfill the loving reason we are here. And may those who have been rejected for any reason and who are suffering among us now, may they find comfort and trustworthy relationship within our community. In the name of God who is love, Christ who is our hope, and the Spirit who helps us endure. Amen.